It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. The TalkSport Daily Podcast is proud to be in partnership with Enterprise Rent-A-Car. Whether your business needs cars, vans, or larger commercial vehicles, you can rent from the best lineup in the UK with Enterprise. And with flexible long-term rental, you can get vehicles for as long as you need them, from minutes to months. Whatever the mission, Enterprise's mobility experts can build a bespoke solution to suit your business needs. Visit enterprise.co.uk forward slash business to find out more. This is TalkSport Daily. Hello, happy Tuesday, and welcome to another Andy Goldstein's TalkSport Daily podcast with me, your Drive Time host for the week. Yeah, Drive Time. Oh, look at you. Yeah, Drive Time. Uh, Andy Goldstein, that's my name. Hence the bit of the bit. Anyway, we start on the breakfast show hosted by the wonderful Laura Woods and Ali McQuist. And they were joined by the West Ham midfielder Jack Wilshere, who was talking about his old boss, Eddie Howe, who left Bournemouth at the weekend. He also spoke about his former Arsenal teammate, Mesut Ozil, and the Gunners striker, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Or Aubameyang, as most people call him. Massive for the club that they they get him to stay. You can see what he brings. I mean, I, I was there when he signed, and straight away from the first training session, you knew that he was world class. And you know, he could he scores goals with, with his left, right foot. He can he can beat a man. And I was lucky enough to play a few players like that. But he was he was one of the best. Um, if I was in his shoes, I mean, Arsenal's a massive club, and he's the captain of the club. The fans love him. He's got the respect of the whole club. If I was him, I'd stay. But it's easy for me to say that. It's important that they keep him because he's their he's their go-to man. He's their best player. He's the leader. Yeah. You know, when when the team's down, everyone looks to him to do something, and he's he's coming up with the good. Comes back towards Ertzel. He hits it into the ground, and it flies past the Hayer and into the net. This time it's Mesut Ertzel with the goal. It popped back out to Ertzel, and his acrobatic effort flew past the Spanish goalkeeper. In terms of his, his football ability, like, I love playing with him. He's one of my favourite players to, to play with. He'd wow. give you the ball at the right time, at the right pace. So yeah, I'm surprised that he's. He's not playing, but yeah, I don't know what's going on down there. With that, I mean, there must be something we don't know and because I can't see why in, he's not playing in terms of his football ability. Listen, I'm sure that Arteta's definitely got a plan and he's putting that into practice and we'll, I'm sure that we're going to find out over the next couple of weeks what's, what's been going on. We've just got some breaking news coming in saying that Eddie Howe has left his role as Bournemouth manager by mutual consent. He demands the best out of the players every day and that was something that I struggled with at the start because... The training was so much different and so much more intense than it was at Arsenal. You know, at Arsenal, we, we played in a lot of games, we played in the Champions League, so we didn't really have that time to get into proper, intense tactical training. And when I went down there, he was just every day, like, he would not accept anyone not giving 100%. And as well, in terms of his man management, I obviously was with uh, Arsenal Wenger for years, and Arsenal was great for me, but he's never, ever texted me or picked up the phone to me in my life. I remember Eddie, like, in the first week, like, I'd be at home after training, I'd get a text saying, oh, you done well today, you're getting there, you're getting there. I loved it, but that was something I weren't used to, and he, and he obviously done that with all the players, and he was so, like, obsessed with trying to get the best out of them. 
Now, stay with The Breakfast Show, and they were joined by the former Spurs striker, lifelong gooner, Darren Bent. And Benty gave his thoughts on the cup final and how important Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang is to Arsenal. You talk about their main man, and you, you could even make the argument for Aubameyang, right? That he is their most important striker in Arsenal history. Now, when I say that, I'm not saying he's the best striker in Arsenal history, because Thierry Henry, Ian Wright, them guys are gone but you look at Thierry Henry's team he had a very very good team players around him you look at Arsenal's team you go back to the was it 98 when they won the, the one on the finger that was more Anelka that season that mm-hmm. wasn't right so you'd say that they've, they've had good teams but if you look at this Arsenal team now you take Aubameyang out of it it's mediocre at best and after debating whether an FA Cup win or finishing in the top four is a bigger achievement Danny Murphy told Natalie Sawyer that he remembers cup wins over strong league run-ins in his career and discusses Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. He doesn't do the last bit. But I look back on my career and I remember winning cup finals. I remember those big games and singing You'll Never Walk Alone when you've won a trophy with the Liverpool fans is my memories. I never, ever remember finishing fourth, third, second and saying, well done, lads, on the Champions League, you know. Mm, mm. It's kind of, you expected it at Liverpool anyway, so maybe the expectancy takes away that, that successful feeling. But players generally are judged on what they've won. Gary McAllister into the middle. Liverpool win it with a golden goal. One of the great European finals. And Liverpool come out as winners. If you get to a Champions League semi-final, final, finances are huge. And you've had a fantastic experience for the fans and for the players who have learnt a lot, especially if you've got young players, will have invaluable lessons on a journey to get into the Champions League semis or the final. Is that more beneficial than winning the League Cup or FA Cup possibly as a football education yes as a financial yes but ultimately in years to come you won't be remembered for getting to the quarterfinal or the semi-final of the Champions League that's your own personal experience of playing in nice stadiums and having a good adventure and start with Fulham as Danny used to play for Fulham Fulham manager Scott Parker Scotty to his mates spoke to TalkSports James Savundra Jimmy if James had any mates about championship top scorer Mitrovic and whether or not he will be fit to start in tonight's playoff final at Wembley. He also played down concerns that Fulham may be fearful of Brentford following two defeats to the Bees in the league season. They're a good side, we understand that, but at the same time, fully believe in, in what we're doing, fully believe in, in my squad, I fully believe in the occasion and where we're going to have to go and, 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 and where we're going to have to in terms of the, the game and where we're going to have to, and, and go to, to to get a result. I firmly believe my players can do that. We know that if Fulham win the game, there's a potential rise in additional revenue of £135 million. So I wonder, when it comes to building the, the players up for this game, do you try and build up the occasion even more and, and know what's at stake? Or do you try and get rid of any of the hidden distractions and, and try and make the players just focus on the game and not worry about what could happen if you were to be successful? This game has been our focus throughout the whole of this year. Our aim was to, to get promoted. We realised that we can get promoted in this division by the top two. If not, then we'll, we'll go we'll go by Wembley if we can. And then regarding all the other stuff, all the other stuff, so what ifs, the, the money behind the game and what the game brings and stuff like that, it's, it's something which we can't control. What we can control is how we go out there tomorrow night and perform. We go about our business in a professional way. We go about our, our, our way and, and really put a stamp on the game. And the Brentford manager, Thomas Frank, has also spoken to the media ahead of the playoff final which may have as much as £265 million riding on it. 
That's a lot of money. Anyway, the Bees have never played in the Premier League and old Frankie boy admits it could be a defining match for the club. Well, obviously, I mean, they'd be playing Premier League for the first time. I know when I finish my press conference today with you guys, I've, I've, I've done my work. It's if you have maybe one hour more for preparation, then I'll go home, know everything is done, uh, wake up tomorrow, looking forward to the game, go through the game one more time in, in my head, do the last bit of planning, find the, the final word I want to say to, to the last before we, in, in the final meeting. And, um, and with all that, you know, plan, so every, uh, I know we are in a good place, we've taken care of everything. So I'm uh, pretty sure that I will sleep well, uh, that's what I normally do. Will I be a little bit nervous tomorrow? Yeah, of course. I think that's the uh, natural thing, that's the players. Will you be a little bit nervous? Yeah, I think you will, that's a human reaction. Will be ready for it? 100% will be ready for it. And don't forget that game is live tonight from 7pm on TalkSport. Now, this is the Press Box with Danny Kelly, Sean Custis from The Sun and Simon Jordan, Katie Price's ex-husband, who's probably moaning about something. Negotiations, which I suspect will be protracted and complex, between Manchester United and Borussia Dortmund over the future of England forward Jadon Sancho, they appear, according to reports, to be clicking into a higher gear. I'm not sure what that means, but what are you making of it? I still think there's lots of questions that will be asked about his performance. And at 120 million euros, 108 million pounds, which is what's being banded about, there shouldn't need to be questions. You should be buying the bona fide full, full, full ticket. He's a good player and he will be a, you know, a big part of a formidable United team that's beginning to be assembled there. You know, when you look at that transaction, you look at Dan James, you think, God, blimey, they're, they're polar parts, what United yeah, were doing that, this time that, last that year. That is a step change in ambition sure. in the space and, you know, of 12 and, months, and, and isn't it? I, and at that time, Dan, I like that step change because it was cultural. Aaron Wan-Bissaka coming in from Crystal Palace, wanting to play for Manchester United. Dan James wanting to play for Man United. Polar opposite to Alexis Sanchez coming in a year earlier, doing everybody a favour for twice the price. To some extent, I have a degree of disappointment but on the other side of the argument, I can understand a clubs like Manchester United and Manchester City and some of the very big clubs will continue to do this, not because there's anything particularly wrong with it, besides it sort of flies in the face of what everyone else has to live with. And the idea, I believe, that football needs to have a reset is sure. being ignored in that scenario. But when you're talking about brands like Manchester United, a play like this is as much about the player as it is about the representation of Manchester United as a global brand, setting blueprints for how they will continue to evolve. Now, on Sunday night's edition of Fight of My Life, British boxing legend Nigel Benn took us back to 1995 when he fought American Gerald McClellan for the WBC Super Middleweight Championship of the World, a fight which left the challenger McClellan with lasting brain injuries. Benn discussed his own reaction post-fight. Usually a lot of boxers fall into a coma when they go home, and, you know, after a hard, brutal fight like that. And then she kept on pushing me. I said, I'm OK, I'm OK, because she, 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 she didn't want me to be a boxer at all, my wife. She, um, so she went through a lot of things after the fight, you know, because I come out with a damaged nose, damaged jaw, urinating blood for three days and a shadow on my brain from just on one fight, just on that fight. So I had a lot of... Uh, 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 dealing with a lot of pressure... Inside the ring and outside the ring as well. But I mean, you know what? You And then afterwards, I remember when when I come out the, out the ring, they put me in a room, checked me over, and I remember I went over to in, into his room and I kissed you then and I said, I'm sorry. 
That's what I said to him. And the latest fight of my life is now available in podcast form on the TalkSport Fight Night feed. I don't even know what that means. Now, this is Drive with me and Jamie O'Hara talking about Lewis Hamilton winning the British Grand Prix at Silverstone and who's been the best British sports person over the last decade. I put Andy Murray above Lewis Hamilton. He played in a time where you had Federer, Djokovic, and Nadal. Won Wimbledon okay. twice. I think he won. He won. Um, he won the U.S. Open as well. Okay, right. But he's not even the most decorated tennis player. No, but so if how he, can you put him up? There? If he had a much better tennis racket than the others, and it was bigger, but that's that's effectively what what um, Lewis Hamilton has got. He's got a better. No, car. He's, he's competing. He's still competing. And all right, he might be in a, a better car than say the majority of the field. Yeah, that's but, not fair. That's well, not level. The constructors get their own trophy because they made the but best. He's car. still the best driver. Yeah, fine. And he still has to go and do it. It's not like he's just 10, 15 seconds in front of everyone every week. Yeah, but he's it, having to compete and do it week in week okay, out. Okay, let me let me ask you this: If you put everyone in the same car, would you guarantee me he'd win the same amount of races? No. Time now to hear from Hawksby and Jacobs. They run from 1 till 4pm on weekdays. And this is celebrity Chelsea fan Andy Jacobs looking back at the cup final and the performance of the referee. Of course, there'll be a moan in this next clip. Arsenal win the FA Cup again, just 226 days after taking the Arsenal reins. Mikel Arteta joins an exclusive club to captain and coach a team to FA Cup glory. It is six minutes past one. Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, Andy. And how's the magic of the FA Cup working out for you? <laughs> yeah, fantastic. This yeah. afternoon. Uh, well, the thing is, I had I turned over in the 90th minute uh, to watch the cricket, so I didn't see... Did Anthony Taylor get his winner's medal? I'm not sure. <laughs> you know, I think he did. I think I just yeah. saw him doing the lap of honour with the Arsenal players. No, I'm telling you, when I, on this show the other day, mm. the news came through, Anthony Taylor was the ref, and I think Anthony Taylor's a good ref, but he was compromised. He'd, he'd refereed these two teams in a controversial performance three years ago at Wembley at the same stage of the competition. He shouldn't have been given the game. There, were, there was Dean, there was Oliver, there was Mariner, there were loads of refs who had no history in this fixture who could have done the game. And I said, what happens if it happens again? There you go. It happened again. And it looked terrible. It just looked ridiculous. And you get this situation where he's thinking whether I should send Kovacic off. And he's also thinking, well, I've got, I, you know, he's obviously coloured by everything that's going on, everything that's gone on in the past, and wanting to basically show that he's a strong ref. Instead of saying to Kovacic, basically, uh, look, mate, that's your absolute last. I think that was pretty near the mark, which it wasn't, but I thought it was. Anything else, you're straight off. Then Lampard's got the opportunity to either sub him or Kovacic's got the opportunity to, to dial it back a bit. Yeah. And therefore, you know, it was a final with 20, a very closely knit, pretty decent game. You know, Chelsea had the first 20 minutes. Arsenal had the next 25, clearly. It could have been two or three up. I concede that. Then Chelsea adjusted and got back in the game. And then when Arsenal scored, it was kind of against the run of play. A little bit of fortune in the goal, but nice finish. And then the last 25 minutes, Arsenal have given away goals late in games. Who knows what might have happened? And he must have known, the minute he got that red card out for Kovacic, he must have known that's the end of the game. They might as well all have walked off at that point. And we finish with the Andy Goldstein Sports Bar Monday to Thursday from 10pm. It wasn't me, obviously I was on drive. But Jason Cundy was in my hot seat and in his hot seat was Mickey Gray. On the river where they used to build the boat 
By the harbor wall, the place you love the most. I can see you there alone, but are you? I didn't want to take one. I've said it so many times, which is why I took the seventh one. But I had a look around. Can you take the eight? No, so I looked around, and I've told this story so many times, right? So, and you'll you'll relate to this. So we've got two centre halves left in the in the centre circle. One Darren Williams. I I wouldn't want to take one. And one Jordy Craddock. Now they're younger than me, so I'm looked at them, and I don't know if it was the grass that was shaking or them. Something was happening. They didn't want to take one. And then I looked again, and Danny Dicchio was sat on the floor and his boots were about three foot away from him. He had his boots off. And I was like, Deech, you know, do you want a penalty? He was like, no, I'm, I'm not taking one of them. And I, he would have had to go up next anyway yeah, after me if I'd have scored yeah, mine. Yeah, yeah. So he had his boots off and I thought, right, okay, it's me. Local lad, 80,000 people in the stadium, 40-odd thousand Sunderland supporters. I mean, the atmosphere in the game itself was absolutely brilliant. And I don't think I've ever, ever, or ever will be again, I don't think I've ever been as nervous walking mm. up to a, to a penalty spot. Not that I'd, I'd done it before, mm. but walking up, it was like, it was silent. Off. It was like me. Honestly, it was like walking a green mile. You know that movie? Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. It was like having your last walk. And then putting the ball on the penalty spot, and I'm thinking, right, I've, I've made my mind up, which I did. You got... You, it was a rubbish it, penalty. It was a rubbish <laughs> penalty. Do you know what? All your energy, the, the, that nervous energy, you walking from the halfway line to the spot, yeah. you've probably got nothing left. Absolutely. I had nothing left. Well, I'm oh, quite I mean, surprised I'm I actually re- reached the goal. You've done well keep, to keep talking about it. But then the worst part about it is when, you, when you're actually... You see the ball going towards the goal, and you know because the keeper is Illich. Yeah, he's he's gone early as well. He has literally yeah. he's waiting for it, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm looking at him, thinking the closer it's getting to him, this is a, this is in, within the space yeah. of a split second, yeah. and I'm thinking, yeah. oh my god! And he has missed. Illich has saved it. Charlton are in the Premiership. Oh, oh my, oh no. That's the feeling you've got in your head and then it's just like, oh, and then you can hear the moans and and the groans and and the big cheers from the other side of the stadium and then it's like, right, please, either the pitch just come and like swallow me up or one of of my teammates or somebody just come and grab me. (laughs) (laughs) You stood there, there's nothing you can do. Did anyone come up there and console you? Well, and I've said this a few times, one of the players... The first players that come up to me was Mark Bright mm. from Charlton, mm. and I thought that was absolutely brilliant. No, go he's and celebrate with your teammates he's and everything. A, he's a top he, boy. he came up and he put his well, not that I've seen yes. the video since. Yeah. Put his arm right. around me. Didn't know it was him right. until I'd seen the game. What about right. three months after? Put his arm around me and I thought, fair play to you. Yeah, yeah. It was absolutely brilliant. Ah, uh, reliving that. Is it? Is it help? Is it a little like therapy? Is it? Is it? Is it? Well, c- well I've had that for the last twenty-one years. Yes, then. I'm sure. I'm sure. I hope that I'm making you proud. Hope that I'm making you proud. That's it for another podcast. Thanks for listening. You can listen to us on the TalkSport app if you so wish. And of course, we're still available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Acast. And of course, if you add the TalkSport app to your phone, you can listen to all the podcasts, plus all your favourite shows as well. Obviously, mine will be top of that list. I'm on Drive today with Scarlet Sun, Jamie O'Hara from 4pm and the former Brentford manager, Martin Mad Dog Allen. He joins us in the studio from 6pm. And from 7pm tonight on Kickoff, you can hear live commentary of Brentford against Fulham. Kickoff at 7.45. I've said kickoff far too many times. That, of course, is the Championship playoff final at Wembley. 
aka the game worth 265 billion million pounds or something like that. That's live on TalkSport. That's an exclusive to us. Oh, listen to you. Yeah, listen to me. That's presented by Hugh Wisencroft, commentary from the wonderful Sam Outerface and Dean Ashton. And that's it. Thanks for listening to another podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. I'll be back, as I mentioned, 4pm today on Drive Time for Andy Goldstein's Drive Time show with other people. That's irrelevant. Have a good day. Be safe, everyone. Be safe. That was a podcast from Talk Sport. The Talk Sport Daily Podcast is proud to be in partnership with Enterprise Rent-A-Car. Whatever your mission, home or away, don't delay. Enterprise has the vehicle for the job. Rent from the best lineup in the UK. With over 450 branches, Enterprise has what your business needs. From compact three-door cars to spacious SUVs and people carriers to vans, they offer a large range of reliable vehicles perfect for the job. To find out more and book, visit enterprise.co.uk. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.